But as promised, or at least as, as I mentioned, um, I'm, I'm going to take a slight left turn just for a few weeks, and I'm going to deal with some questions that often come up that I get asked on a consistent basis. So not just oddball stuff left and right here, but stuff that consistently every month or two months, they always come up. And uh, some of these things are rather deep, some of them rather, I, wa- I want to say personal simply because so many people go through them. Um, so I, I don't, I'm not aiming at any one uh, church or any one teaching. These are just questions that often come up. Before we can get into that, now we're going to deal with things like infant baptism, speaking in tongues, eternal security, uh, uh, homosexuality, how to approach people, how to minister to people, uh, transgender, all of that stuff. We, we will in the next few weeks go through that. Today I thought just as a preface, just to get us ready for all of those lessons, I'm going to give you a lesson today called Denominational Disagreements. Denominational Disagreements. Because a lot of the things we're going to cover, these questions arise because somebody has grown up or come from a different denomination, and they've been taught different things, and now they, they come into our church, they hear a, a different approach to that topic, and now how do we now apply this new truth to our old friends or our family what what do we do about it what's the right attitude to have towards these things so before we just give you facts and verses I want to give you the right mindset the right attitude the right heart that you need to have as you acquire this knowledge how do we apply it like one preacher said if you get a head full of Bible and a heart that's lacking grace you're gonna be a hothead with a cold heart And that's dangerous, right? You're a ticking time bomb. Bible knowledge is a wonderful thing, but it must be tempered by grace. It must be tempered by grace. And I know myself as a younger man, as I learned the Bible, I got saved at the age of 20, I started learning things. Uh, I, I wasn't spiritually mature, nor was I just naturally, you know, just speaking of, of, uh, maturity in general. I wasn't mature enough to handle these Bible truths in the right way. So I, I became this uh, attack dog, if you will, for a while. And, and uh, I had to learn, I had to grow in grace before that knowledge became useful. So let's open, let's begin with Mark chapter 9. I have a lot of verses to show you this morning, so God help me. I want to cover all this with his help. Mark chapter 9, verse number 38. Mark chapter 9, verse number 38. And before we get to that, let me, let me bring up, use an illustration. This is maybe a bit silly, but just to illustrate the idea of we can disagree and still love each other. Now, do, does everybody know that? Are we on good ground if I say that? We can disagree and still love each other. We can disagree with people that don't come to this church, that don't like this church, and still love them. Still even like them, still get along with them, still be kind to them. We can disagree and still love the brethren, even if they don't fall in line with every doctrine that you might hear presented in this church. Uh, as, by, way, by way of illustrating that, some of you, uh, God help you, you're Blue Bulls fans. I, I don't understand this. There's no support for that in the Bible whatsoever. You know the people that worship bulls in the Bible, those were Egyptian and pagan, right? I mean, that's just wicked. I, how can you... No, uh, some of you are taking that very seriously. It's okay. Um, I used to be a Stormers fan. You guys know that? You know how I became a Stormers fan. 
the very first South African to ever approach me on the issue of rugby, which is a doctrinal issue in South Africa, by the way. It's, it's a denominational thing. Uh, the first person to ever approach me on this was a Stormers fan. He came, before he asked me what I believed about salvation, about Jesus, about the Bible, he says, which team do you support? I said, I don't know. I don't even know one of the names of the teams. I said, I'm a Springbok fan. I think that's a team. <laughs> and he said, yes, but which local team? I said, I have no idea. He said, you need to support the Stormers. I said, got it. <laughs> that was the first team I knew of. So, Stormers fan. I got the jersey at home even. <laughs> I went and bought a jersey just, just to, you know... Just, just to be a part of you, <laughs> just to be one of you. It really has no meaning behind it as far as I, I don't know. One player on that team, did they do good last year, bad last I don't know, nor do I care. But I know that certain South Africans, they divide over this, right? I know some guys, they take it to extremes, and there's fist fights at the games. I, I get that. But come on, you can support the Stormers or the Blue Bulls or the Sharks or the Cheetahs. If you, want to. I, you can support any team you want and still get along, right? Some of you are saying, no, no, that, no, Brother Mike, where do you get this rubbish of, of doctrine? All right, but does that matter, really? Does it matter which rugby team you support? It would be actually a bad illustration to say that doctrinal issues in the Bible is equivalent to which rugby team you support because there are clear verses in the Bible about teachings such as salvation, infant baptism, the rapture, and so forth. These things, there are black and white verses that says right and wrong. So we can't use the idea, well, you have your team, I have mine, so let's just all get along. That's not really true. What if I said this, 2 plus 2 is... Four, as far as I know. Two plus two is four. Now, if somebody else comes along and says, no, 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 two plus two is five. All right, I disagree. By the laws of mathematics, I disagree. I'm allowed to disagree. Do I have to hate that person because he doesn't know math? No. Do I feel pity for that person? A little bit. <laughs> A little bit. I mean, that, that's pretty clear. Now, I might take time and show this brother. No, no, no. Uh, here's two things and here's two things. Now, let's count them. One, two, three. I can show him how to get to four instead of five and try to help him. And who knows? Maybe just no one's shown him. Maybe somebody led him astray from a young child up. You don't know the situation. But when it's a black and white issue, come on. I mean, we have a duty to try to help that person. Not every, not every doctrinal discussion in the Bible is that clear, though, is it? I mean, some things that we see and they're abundantly clear. Let's take, for instance, the rapture. I believe that's a fairly clear doctrine in the Bible. But there's a lot of confusion that abounds on that topic. So let's not be so, uh, what can I say, hasty to judge someone and say, you don't see the rapture in the Bible? Wow, what's wrong with you? You don't see 2 plus 2 is 4? It may not always be that easy or that clear. What if I were to tell you this? 2 plus 2 times 2 plus 2 times 2 plus 2 times 2 is 44. <laughs> now, see, some of you are trying to work it out. No, 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 yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> now, if you and I don't agree on that, right? Again, we can mathematically prove this. There's black and white. You can map it out, write it out, do the equation, and figure out that. Now, God help me, I might be wrong. I did the math by myself without the aid of a calculator. I believe that's 44. 2 plus 2 times 2, 8, plus 2 is 10, times 2 is 20, plus 2 is 22, times 2 is 44. See, so I believe I've come to the correct 
the correct uh, amount there. But what if I added wrong right from the get-go? 2 plus 2 is 5 times 2 is 10 plus 2 is 12 times 2 is 24 plus 2 is 26 times 2 is 52. One little mistake, I saw one number wrong, I wrote it wrong, and now the whole equation's wrong, right? You know what a lot of people do? They take a topic, they see 9 out of 10 of the truths. They get it, they see it clear, but they got one little thing wrong, and that throws off the entire equation. Now, if somebody says 2 plus 2 is 5, foundational stuff, it's going to affect everything that comes thereafter, right? Now, if they insist that 2 plus 2 is 5, and they own a business, and you, they, you bring items to the counter, and this item costs 2 rand, and this one costs 2 rand, that costs 2 rand, and they say, okay, you got 2 rand here, 2 rand here, give me 5 rand. Oh, now wait a minute, now... This is becoming a serious issue. You're going to start taking extra money from me. You're corrupt. You're cheating. Your motives are wrong. See? So some of these things can get important. What if I were to do this? What if instead of having a plus sign, my, my plus sign fell over and became an X and became a multiplication? <laughs> so now I got 2 plus 2 times 2 plus 2 times 2 times 2 again. And I, instead of adding 2, I multiplied it again. Instead of 44, I end up with 80. Do you see how far off base we can get? So it is important to recognize the finer details. Yes. But just because somebody comes and says, I have a different total for that equation, let's talk about it. Let's look at the evidence. Let's add it up and see if we can come to a rational answer. But I'm not going to hate you just because your math is wrong. Does that make sense? Now, if I go to their store and they start demanding 80 rand instead of 44, okay, I don't hate you, but I might need to warn others about you. <laughs> I might need to say, stay out of this shop. This guy, his math is a little off, and he's going to cheat you. It, it, would that be fair? Would that be hateful or mean? No, I don't think so. I think that would just make sense. Somebody is not thinking straight there. Let's... Let's take the necessary precautions. So in Mark chapter 9, in verse number 38, it says, And John answered him, saying, Master, this is John the Apostle, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us, and we forbade him, because he followeth not us. So in essence, what John is saying is, this other guy, he's doing the same things we're doing. He's out there preaching in your name. He's doing miracles in your name, casting out devils in your name. But he's not, he doesn't come to church with us. He's in some other church. So Jesus, we told him to quit doing it because he's not one of our members. And Jesus, in verse number 39, but Jesus said, forbid him not. For there is no man which can lightly, or which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. He says, John, listen here, that guy that's doing that, what did he do wrong? If it's a legitimate miracle and he's doing it in the name of Christ the way that Jesus prescribed that to be done, he hasn't done anything wrong. There's no false teaching there. The fact that he doesn't show up in this setting on, on Sabbath to, to worship right next, you know, shoulder to shoulder with us, that doesn't change what he's doing. Evidently, he loves and follows me just as much as you do, so don't forbid him. Now, I don't know why that man didn't go along with the group. I don't know why he wasn't directly part of that, of that group of disciples, but there's a great lesson to learn here. He didn't say or do anything wrong, so don't forbid him. Now, verse number 40, for he that is not against us is on our part. I've heard many people turn to this passage and say, you see, it doesn't matter which church you go to or which denomination you're in, 
We're all serving the same Lord. We're all following the same God. So just leave it alone. Drop it. Don't forbid him. Don't say anything about him. Okay. In, in this story, did the man teach any false doctrine? Did he practice anything wrong? No. That's why Jesus said, don't forbid him. Let him do it. He's not against us. See? Now, if somebody was, if this man was out there telling lies about Jesus, or let's not even say lies, just giving out misinformation, bad information. He was practicing these things, but promoting, you know, the wrong, wrong sort of uh, uh, deeds or the lie. Now Jesus would have said, okay, we need to deal with that issue. Because what he's saying could potentially harm someone. But in this case, there was no, there was no disagreement, so let it happen, Right? So I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to lay some groundwork. I don't want you to think that this is me standing up here saying, all right, every other church in town is wrong. We're the only ones that got the truth. Ah, let's attack. Please, we've got to get away from that mentality. We've got to get away from that mentality. There are other churches in town and in this world. There's other missionaries that I don't agree with them on everything. But they are, they are doing some things and, and sometimes many things they're doing right. There are other churches in this town. I know their pastors. I know their church members. They love God. They do promote the gospel. They do try to win souls. The fact that we may not disagree on stormers or, or blue bulls, the fact that we don't see every two plus two exactly the same way. Okay, I, I am honest enough to tell you I don't agree with what they teach on some things. That doesn't mean I hate them. That doesn't mean I'm against them. It means we don't agree on that point. Fair enough. But we still need to recognize their brothers and sisters in Christ. And we still need to have the right attitude as we approach these groups. I, I hope this lesson today will help with that. Let's come to Romans chapter 14. Several verses I'd like to give you now. Romans chapter 14 and verse number 21. Romans 14 and verse number 21. One. And the first, I, I want to talk to you about different kinds of dif disagreements that go on. There's three different kinds of disagreements that I see presented in, in the Bible and, and which we still deal with to this day. This is the first kind of disagreement. In verse 21, it is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he, he alloweth. In verse 5, I believe it is, he says, Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. You can see in verse number 1, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Receive him. Treat him like a brother or sister. Love him. You don't have to sit around arguing with him all the time over the things that are mentioned in Romans 14. What are these things? The things which he alloweth, the things which he's persuaded of. And if you've been in our church a while, you know what these things are. They're, they're the gray areas. These are preferences where there could be more than one right answer. Everybody know what I mean there? there could, now listen, if you're talking about how to get saved, there's only one right answer. When you speak of baptism, there's one right answer. When you're dealing with uh, uh, how to interpret the Bible, literally or there's only one right answer, see? But there are some issues where there's more than one right answer. Uh, let me give you a few 
illustrations. When it comes to music, by the way, come back tonight. We have another second lesson in that series on church music. I believe I'm going to blow your minds tonight. I'm going to play you some of the most controversial music ever that the church has heard. But come back for that. Music, folks, is a gray area. Do you realize the New Testament doesn't say a lot about it? There's some gray area to that. The fact that you like one style and I like another, we can still fellowship even if we don't agree on all of that. Another thing right here, I'm wearing one. This is a preference, right? Neckties. I seriously doubt this is going to make it to the main service. It's just too hot today. See, but, but there are some, some preachers that say you can't preach without a necktie as if the Holy Ghost is somehow soaked into my necktie. <laughs> okay, that's a preference. If you like it, okay. If you don't, help yourself. Um, for years, even myself, I've done this in the past and I have changed my mind. I hope that's okay changed my mind about this over the years. I see men get up and they have their whitewashed jeans and their t-shirts and they preach. I don't like that. I don't like that. It looks sloppy. I think it's a bit of a disrespect to the, to the church. That's my opinion. See, now I used to preach that as a doctrine. So if you, if you wear that, then you are, you are affecting the church negatively. You're, you're giving the wrong example and you're pushing people away from Christ. Chapter and verse. Now, I don't like it. I, I, I don't want to do that in our church. But I don't have chapter and verse for that. That falls into a preference. If he allows it and he's persuaded of it, I'm not going to argue about it. Why should I love him any less? Because he doesn't dress like I want him to. What does that matter in the grand scheme of things, right? Preference. Diets. I have seen churches, I've heard of churches split because one guy eats that and the other person says you shouldn't eat that. I'm talking not, not, not Levitical laws. I'm talking you eat sugar, oh, the Antichrist serves sugar. Sugar bad. Okay, listen, I, I get it, man. I get it. Sugar, I, I've read the material on it. Sugar does mess, mess with your health. Probably a good idea to avoid it. Some of you need to just nod and say amen right there. Amen. You're pre-diabetic, you need to just say amen. <laughs> but is it sinful? Good grief, no. See, we need not divide on that. Whether or not you observe a holiday, we just come through Christmas and all that. We talked about it a little bit if you were in town. I gave a lesson on how to handle Christmas intellectually and so forth. Okay, if you observe it, help yourself. If you don't, why, why would we divide on these things? Preferences. If you allow it and you're not contradicting Scripture, let's just get along. This is when you can say, let's agree to disagree and move on. Let's not have doubtful disputations. Doubtful because there is no final word on that, on that matter. There is no final word from God. So the conversation ends with your opinion and my opinion, and that's where we let it rest. Let's just love each other. That we know is right. But, but, let's come to a different issue. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, verse number 6. Galatians 1 and verse 6. <clears throat> the second type of disagreements I think that we can have between denominations, some of them are nitpicky stuff like preferences. The other things are doctrinal errors. Somebody got deceived and led astray doctrinally. So you can look in the Bible... There's a verse that says one thing, yet they believe it differently. Maybe they've privately interpreted it, added to it, subtracted, whatever. But they are, they are an error as far as the teaching of that verse. 
Now, when Paul wrote to the Galatians, that the whole book, all six chapters of this book, were dealing with a group that has fallen into deception. False preachers came to this region of Galatia and taught these people false doctrine. And this church, by and large, fell into that. And now Paul, as a caring father, which is what a pastor should act like, he writes back to them and sometimes he drops the hammer. Not everything was sweet and nice. Some of it was pretty pointed. But he, as a caring father, is saying, listen guys, you had it right, but now you've fallen into, into disrepute. There, there's something wrong here. and We need to get this straightened out. So let me show you several verses on this. Galatians 1 and verse 6. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. He said, listen, you guys call it a different gospel. He says, it's really not even a gospel. What you guys now believe and preach, it's not even good news. You know what the Galatians fell into? They fell into the Hebrew Roots Movement. That's a different subject, different time. We'll talk about that in the weeks to come. Verse 7, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, Paul says, listen, this is, this is not a preference. This is not, well, you have your way of approaching Christ and we have ours. Let's just leave it. He said, this must be dealt with. Does this mean that Paul hates the Galatians? No. Does it mean that, that, that he hates these other preachers? No. He just realizes this is serious. It needs to be dealt with. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now, as I mentioned, some, some of these things were pretty... He said it uh, pretty boldly. Chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? That's tongue-in-cheek. That's a little bit of sarcasm. He, he knows that they haven't fallen under the power of witchcraft. That's not why they believe these things. He's saying that tongue-in-cheek just to get their attention, to go, guys, come on. How did you get led astray on this topic? Don't get so edgy, so uptight that the preacher can't speak freely to get these truths across. See, let, let, let's, not, let's not nitpick the preacher either. He's just trying to help them. So he says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Uh, let's get another one. Chapter 4. This is a good one. Chapter 4, verse 16. How many of you know somebody that... Now, now you have to be pretty grounded in the Bible to say this, right? So I'm assuming that most of you are. You know from the Bible that this friend of yours, they go to a different church, they believe a false doctrine. And you, you, you have maybe, or you could show them the verse in the Bible that proves what they believe about that topic is wrong. Now, I know a lot, of you, a lot of you have that situation. You have maybe friends or family that they're still clinging to some doctrine you have now seen in the Bible that's wrong. And you've probably sh tried to show them, but they're just hanging on to it. They're not trying to hurt anybody, are they? they it's not as if they're trying to make money or get famous or deceive other people. They, maybe it's just not clear yet in their mind. Maybe they haven't taken time to think it through. I don't know. But we wouldn't look at them and go, they're bad people because they don't get it yet. Maybe the way it got explained to them sounded good at the, at the time, but no one has shown them the other side of the story. They haven't seen all the verses yet. Something like that. That's the Galatians. 
Paul came along, they got saved. Then somebody else came along and explained some other things, showed them other verses, and they went, okay, yeah, that sounds good too. I guess we have to take on Jewish culture, get circumcised, and, and, and finish off our salvation with that. They were just confused. That didn't turn them into bad people. That didn't turn them into enemies of Christ. It, it, it confused them. We need to recognize that's what happened. Let's not overreact and go, oh, blasphemy, heresy, you're wicked. That, that's, Paul didn't go there. He said, guys, what's going on? Verse number 16, Galatians 4, 16. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Boy, you know how many times I've thought about that verse? As you try to explain to somebody where their confusion came in and what the Bible has to say, they take it that you hate them. They interpret you trying to gently show them the truth on a matter. They interpret that as, why do you hate me? Paul says, guys, does this make me the enemy? Just because I'm trying to show you truth, verse 17, they, speaking of the false preachers, which we'll talk about in a moment, they zealously affect you, but not well. These other preachers that came along from this other denomination, showing you these verses and confusing you, they are all worked up and excited, but their passion doesn't make their teaching right. Just because they mean well doesn't make it right. Verse 17, at the end, they would exclude you that ye might affect them. He says, guys, you Galatians, you're confused and bless your hearts. This other guy is the deceiver. You are just the deceived. You don't have bad intentions, but that guy that told you all this stuff, he's just trying to make merchandise of you. He's trying to get something from you. He's trying to build up his popularity and fame and get more likes on Facebook and all that stuff. He's just using you. So Paul's explaining what the other guy's motive is. Verse 18, but it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing and not only when I'm present with you. He says, guys, I'm not doubting your passion or your intentions. It's just aimed in the wrong direction. You see how he's dealing with this crowd? Confused, but he still loves them. Verse 19, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Do you see his heart here? He, like a father speaking with his children saying, son of mine, daughter of mine, I don't want you going astray. Oh, I'm trying to help you so you can grow fully, fully, fully mature in Christ. And he's burdened for them as a father would care for his child. Do you, do you read any hate in that? Do you see anywhere where he says, oh, we don't agree? Get away from me. You go to that church, oh, let me tell you everything that's wrong with you because you're stupid and I'm not. <laughs> you don't see that coming across here. He cares. And that's why I mentioned it. Chapter 5, verse 7. You'll see it again. Paul says, ye did run well. You guys had it right. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? Let me point this word out. We'll maybe talk about it more later. Who did hinder you when a Christian, saved person, gets confused later on in their Christian life? Do they lose their salvation? No. You, you don't read that anywhere here. They don't lose their salvation. You know what it does? It hinders their walk with God. Not every false teaching will hinder you as much. We'll talk about that more in a minute as well. Some false teachings are not as dangerous. Some are very dangerous. The problem is we don't want you to be hindered in any way. 
Verse number 8, this persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. So somebody's persuading you of this, but it's not God. Verse 9, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So Paul doesn't, he's willing to address even the little issues. Let's talk about them, but let's understand that I love you, even though we don't agree. Verse 10, I have confidence in you through the Lord, that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. So Paul recognizes two groups, the deceiver and the deceived, the ones that got confused. He says, guys, I have confidence in you. Once you sit down and see all the proof, you're going to get it right. You're going to come right. I believe that you'll submit to the Lord and everything will be fine. Do you see his attitude here? Look at chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, any fault, whether that's a doctrinal misunderstanding or maybe he's developed a bad habit, you know, something he does wrong on a consistent basis, whatever the fault is. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such in one in the spirit of what? Meekness. You go to him gently. You go to him softly. You go to him humbly. You don't come out with your hammer and your sword swinging and going, sit down, stupid, let me tell you where you're wrong. You go meekly. Why? At the end of the verse, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. If you have something wrong, how would you want somebody to approach you? Wouldn't you want somebody to come patiently, gently, and say, brother, sister, I I know you're trying, but I I don't, maybe you haven't seen, have you seen this verse? Have you considered this? Friend, hasn't there been a time in your life that somebody's shown you some verses from the Bible and you went, oh, man, I didn't see that before. Man, I I really appreciate you showing me that. Did you know the way you approach somebody will make a difference on how they receive what you're saying? They might just cut you off immediately if you don't come with the right attitude. That's why Paul says, let's, if they're overtaken in a fault, yes, we need to tell them, but we need to do it with meekness, the approach does matter and if it wasn't for the grace of God you'd you would still be stuck in a massive amount of confusion wouldn't you I was raised in a church every Sunday went to church what am I talking about I went to church every Saturday and Sunday most most weeks yeah I had to go to confession from the time I was eight years old all the way through up up to my teenage years you had to go to confession on Saturday to take communion on Sunday I was confused. I had a lot of unlearning to do so that I could learn some truth. I'm so glad that there were preachers and Christians that God put in my life that were patient with me. They were patient. Take your Bible, look at 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. God help me, I got so much to cover here. 2 Peter chapter 2. Second Peter 2 and verse number 2. I, I, want, I want you to see here. I'm sorry, verse 1. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Second Peter 2 and verse 1. I want you to see that in the Bible, when you read about heresy, there can be different levels to it. A heresy is any false teaching, anything that doesn't line up with the Bible, right? Now, when you read about heresies in the Bible, almost every time that I can think of, every time that I saw as I studied it, when you find the word heresy, it's somebody purposely teaching something wrong. So I think you, I want you to notice that as you read through the Bible, sometimes heresies come about because, because someone's just confused. 
And a lot of times someone's doing it on purpose, like this crowd. But there were false prophets also among you, even as there shall be false teachers among you. I'm sorry, among the people, I'm sorry. Let me start again here. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately, we would say privately, who privately shall bring in, now watch these next two words, damnable heresies. Not just heresies, damnable heresies. Even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. It goes on to say that they're teaching these things for money. Do you see in verse 1 that these heresies are damnable heresies? What does that mean? The false teachings that these guys were giving out could send you to hell. Now folks, if some other church or denomination is teaching a false system of salvation, whatever they add in or take away from the salvation that we read about in the Bible, that is by grace through faith, plus nothing, minus nothing. If a different denomination is teaching otherwise, we have a responsibility to point that out with the right attitude. But that's important. Somebody else gets confused by that. They're on, they may not realize it, but they're on their way to hell. They ha- that, it's going to cost them a lifetime of fellowship with God. That's important. Let me run through this quickly. <clears throat> not everything is a damnable heresy. If you believe that salvation is by faith through grace and the finished work of Christ, you're saved, yes? If you're trusting Jesus alone. Now, if you say, well, I believe you can trust Jesus alone, that saves you. Good. But I think that you can be sprinkled after that, and that's good enough for baptism. I don't, I don't agree with that. I believe the Bible's clear on that. Is that person now not saved? Because no, they're still saved. On the point of baptism, there's some confusion, but th- I don't think that's going to greatly affect their Christian life in every way. There's no need to get that upset about this. Is it worth pointing out? Yeah. I've, I preached in Dundee once about the rapture. Gave them a full lesson on it. There was a Tani in the, in the crowd that night. She was full-blown, reformed, Calvinist, 100%. She came up to me afterwards and she said, Pastor, you could tell she, she got it. She knew, okay, there, there it is. She said, Pastor, I'm one of the frozen chosen. <laughs> I'd never heard that term before. I'm one of the frozen chosen. I said, I don't know if I'd say that out loud, but okay. She said, if I'm one of the frozen chosen, will I still go up in the rapture? Can I still, if I believe the rapture, if I don't believe that, am I going to go up regardless? I said, madam, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not, you're going to go up. If, if, if the Bible's right on this matter, with, if you don't know it's going to happen, it doesn't matter, it's still, it's still going to happen. See? Now, I believe that there are some repercussions. If you don't believe in that, it's going to affect the way you interpret the Bible. It's going it's to affect what you're looking forward to. It might affect your your emotional state and how you view the world, I believe it could affect you. But it's, it, does, it doesn't mean you can't walk with God. It might hinder you a little bit, but let's acknowledge that not every teaching in the Bible is going to hinder you the same. And it's up to us, as we minister to other people, to recognize that. Yesterday I was tapping in some small nails. I call it shoe molding. I think you guys call it quarter round down by the baseboard, uh, around th- this, this stuff right here. I was fixing the floor in one of our rooms and I had to tap some, you know, there's small nails that go into this. You don't have to get a sledgehammer <laughs> and wham, wham, just to put those small nails in, do you? 
the wall's going to come tumbling down if you slam it with a sledgehammer. It might be fun, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> but that's overdoing it. You, get it. you get the right size hammer and just give it the tap it needs and you get the job done. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of these false teachings are just small nails in the quarter round. You don't have to bang on it so hard. Now listen, if somebody's talking about heaven and hell and giving the false information, you might need to bring the sledgehammer. But it depends on what's being said. Now one other group, different disagreements, right? Some are just preferences. Let's ignore those. Some are doctrinal errors. Somebody got confused, but they don't have any ill intentions. Let's recognize that and deal with it appropriately. But then there's another group, the deceivers. Uh, are you in, you're in 2 Peter, is that correct? Let's come to 2 Timothy. Just come back a little bit. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I have several verses here. If I, I'm going to read them off. A couple of you are writing these down so you can, just for the sake of time, I'm sorry, we just don't have time to look at all of them, but Philippians 3, verses 18 to, that should be 21. Philippians 3, 18 to 21. Romans chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. And then we're going to look at a couple here. 2 Timothy 3, verse number 13. Paul says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It's kind of a snowball effect. Once you get into wrong doctrine, approach the Bible incorrectly, it just gets worse and worse. But do you see here there are evil men that are out there to deceive? That's their goal. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy 4. Verse number one, Paul said evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. He wrote that almost 2,000 years ago, right? How bad were they in Paul's day? Pretty bad. You know what he said? Just going to get worse and worse. How bad do you think it is in our day? You think it's gotten better? If it did, Paul was wrong. <laughs> if it did, you got a false prophecy there in your Bible. It's going to get worse and worse. So it's really important that we, need, that we know how to deal with it. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, so this is clear, <clears throat> that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. <clears throat> so they're going to get caught up in, in spiritual things, but the wrong spirit. Do you see that? Seducing spirit. Spiritual things, but wrong things. And then doctrines of devils. So the emotions, how they feel, the spiritual stuff is going to get them and what they believe. Verse 2, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. What's wrong? They are purposely teaching false doctrine. They know it's wrong. They don't care because it's their livelihood. This is how they make money. Verse number 6, just skip to that. Verse 3, 4, 5, it talks about a couple of the false doctrines, has dietary laws forbidding to marry and so forth. Verse 6, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Why? Because you pointed out that there are doctrines of devils floating around within the body of Christ. A good minister must do that. He says, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. That's one of the jobs of the preacher. Uh, come to Titus, a couple books to the right. Titus chapter 3, verse number 10. There were two men that Paul wrote to as pastors. T Timothy was one, Titus the other. So we call these pastoral epistles. Titus 3 and verse number 10. 
In speaking about these heretics, and all through the book of Titus, Paul does, he says this, a man that is an heretic, Titus 3.10, a man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition, reject. I want you to see the difference here. When Paul was dealing with the Galatians, that was a different crowd. That's a crowd that got confused, got led astray. Paul gives them six chapters. We know from the book of Acts, he went and visited them again. There was opportunity after opportunity to help them. And he didn't give up on them. When it comes to a man that's purposely telling lies, you know what Paul says? Give him two chances and then walk away. Because there are people out there that will receive the truth. This group that is purposely deceiving, drop the hammer, drop the hammer, and say, sir, I'm going to pray for you, and then you move on. Jesus gave us an example of this. In Matthew 15, the, the disciples came and said, Jesus, don't you know that what you just said offended the Pharisees? And he said, let the blind lead the blind. They'll both fall in the ditch. You know what the final word on it was? Let them alone. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. I've given them truth, and they are willfully ignorant. They don't want to listen. So that's how we deal with this group. Nowhere does it say you can get nasty about it. You can gossip about them. You can tell lies about them. You can get up and be rude about it. It never says to do that. But at a certain time, you say, Sir, ma'am, I've tried my best. Enough's enough. I'm going to warn others about what you're teaching. Never do you have the right to be ugly to them, but you can say, I'm moving on now. Paul did not have as much patience with this group. Do you see the difference? With the Galatians, a lot of patience. But with this group that purposely is doing it, not as much patience. Take your Bible, come to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I hope this is helping you. I hope it is because I know a lot of you, a lot of you, you really have a desire and a burden to help uh, people learn more about the Bible, to get a hold of the truth. But we, we need to make sure we're doing it in the correct way. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 18. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 18. Paul says, for first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Now, if you've read the book of Corinthians, you know they had a massive amount of problems, some of them doctrinal, some of them practical, uh, doing the wrong things too. You know in chapters 1, 2, and 3, the, their divisions came from preference. One guy liked Apollos, the other guy liked Peter, the next guy liked Paul, and the next guy said, I don't follow men, I just follow Christ. And they all had their preference for which preacher was better. Pure preference. You may prefer Brother Garrett's style of delivery. He's a little more calm than I am. Is that true? Yeah? I don't know any preacher that uses their hands as much as I do. I saw myself on video a couple days ago. I got distracted with my own hands. I said, put the hands down. I can't help it. If I hold on, I'll break the pulpit. My hands are going to move. I'll be waving the pulpit around. <laughs> now, you may not like my delivery. See? You may prefer that delivery. You, you, you may like somebody else up here saying, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we got to reach people with love. I said with love. I said with love. You may like that. got to get that out of me now. I, I kind of like that too. Amen. That, was, that was a lot of fun. 
We, we might have some preaching. I was going to preach on depression after this. I may not. <laughs> How can you be? <laughs> you can't do that and be depressed. But <laughs> That's preference, right? Let's not divide over that. But, but there were divisions in this church over preference. Then there were other divisions. Verse 19, look at the other reason they had divisions. For there must, also, there must be also heresies among you. He says, you guys are so divided. There must be heresies in the church. There must be some little groups, little cell groups within the church that are promoting false teachings and therefore people are getting confused and divided. For there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. What do we do then? We deal with these things. We open up our Bibles and we say, what are you saying? What are you saying? What does this denomination, that denomination teach? Here's what the Bible says. And then we approve. We say, this is a good teaching that's a bad teaching, and we move on. Done with the right attitude, of course. I, I have to keep saying that, but you have to deal with it. Paul acknowledges preferences divided them. Heresy divided them. You know what Paul doesn't say? Him pointing out the wrong teachings was not a source of division. I have received several emails from people in this town saying, Brother Mike, you're the reason that the body of Christ is divided. Come on, man, there was division before I showed up. There'll be division after I go. <laughs> there was division in Paul's day after he went through and started the church. This is part of humanity. I'm not saying it's right, but it's there. Paul pointing out their problems was not the source of division. That's the preacher's responsibility to fix it and bring people back together. We will unify when we can all get on the same page doctrinally and practically. When we learn which things need a small hammer tap and which things need a sledgehammer, we'll unify once we all get on the same page with these things. Take your Bible, come to 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll finish up here. Well, I had a few other verses I wanted to give you, but I believe we'll just have to come to this. Let me give you a couple of quick anecdotes. I hope that will help with this. As I stand up here, and for the next few weeks, I'll be teaching you on what I believe are very clear things in the Bible, trying to give you black and white on them. And then when, when there's some gray area, I'll try to be honest enough to point that out as well. I, I recently received, I've been swapping emails with a, a gentleman in this town. And for the last five years... He, he knows that we're here. He knows what we teach because one of his family members is in this church. And that family member constantly is telling this other guy, yeah, the things you're hearing in your church are, are, are wrong, misleading you, and so forth. And this guy had, he had assumed, he, he formed this perception of not just myself but our church that we're all a bunch of snarling dogs over here on a leash just ready to just pounce on anybody that's wrong. So he wrote me an email, he explained, you know, where we differ. And then I wrote him back and I, I wrote him I, what I believe was a very nice email and said, you are my brother in Christ. We may not agree, but I, brother, I love you and I pray for you and, and your family. And I, I, the fact that we may never see eye to eye on this doesn't mean I love you any less. He wrote me back and he said, I don't know what to do. He said, that response blew me away. He said, I thought you were ready to cut my head off. He said, I really was expecting some bombastic email, just verse after verse, proving me wrong. He said, I, 
I'm blown away. I did not expect that from you. He said, well, now I know that you are this way. Maybe we can talk further. Hence the old saying, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. To this day, we haven't followed through with the whole conversation. I haven't even given him one verse yet. You know why? Because I believe it's more important that I love him. I have made it clear I believe that he's wrong on certain things. I'll get around to proving that some other day. I first want him to know that I'm putting the emphasis where it needs to be. Jesus said, by this shall men know that you're my disciples, that you have loved one to another as I've loved you. Let me ask you a question. Did Peter, James, John, Andrew, did all the apostles have all of their doctrines straight when they started following the Lord? Come on. Even after he rose from the dead, they didn't believe that he rose from the dead. The apostles of Jesus had their doctrine wrong. The night of the resurrection, read Luke 24. Jesus had to sit down, open a Bible, and show him all the verses concerning himself and open their understanding of the scriptures. They weren't on the same page as Jesus doctrinally. And Jesus still loved it. That doesn't mean Jesus let all their... Their false ideas slide, right? He dealt with them patiently, lovingly. I met a man in the changing room at Virgin Active one day, young black fella, full of life, full of smiles. He came up, and, and, and out of nowhere, just walked over to me and said, Hello, sir, how are you? Generally in a changing room, that's not cool. <laughs> over there, dude. <laughs> Catch me as I walk out or something, but not cool. But anyway, as uncomfortable as that was, he said, hello, sir, how are you? I said, I'm great, man, how are you? And he said, wonderful. I said, sir, are you saved? And he said, yes, I am. And I said, I, I thought so, because no one can smile as big as you are and not be saved. And he said, I just got saved a few, I think he said a couple months ago. And he said, well, it's been so good to know Jesus and so forth. And I, I didn't know what church he went to. I said, well, I had a track with me. Even though I'm in the changing room at Virgin Active, I got a track with me, amen. <laughs> and I took the track out and I said, sir, I'd love to invite you to our church if you'd like to come. And we have Bible studies and explained it all, Bible school and whatnot. And he said, oh, oh, oh I, I go to CRC. Now, some of you might be thinking, oh, I know what Brother Mike said next. Brother Mike pulled out his list of why they're wrong. And blah, blah, blah. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. You know what I said? I said, praise God, brother. I said, I, I said, are you learning a lot? They said, I'm learning so much. Good. That's not the time for me to start listing off our disagreements. I got a young Christian that's in love with Jesus Christ, loves the brethren. I'm not, I don't agree with everything there. But come on. I've met a lot of their members that witness and love God and are sincere and, and study the Bible and have the right attitude about it. You know what? I can deal patiently with that. This young man got saved in that church. What good would it have been for me to start running that church? You know what it would have done? It would have destroyed that young man. It would have said, oh dear, if they're wrong about all that, maybe, I, maybe I'm not even saved. You see what damage that could have done? Good grief, leave that aside. That is not the important issue. The important issue is this young man is deeply in love with Jesus Christ. Is that clear, folks? It's on recording. So if anyone wants to know how I feel about these things, there you go. I don't agree. I still love them. Is that fair enough? I don't agree. I still love them. And, and by the way, there's a lot of things I do agree with him on. 
Well, I've got to hurry here. I'm so sorry. I took time here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. You say, Brother Mike, how do I handle these disagreements? Man, I had some other stories I really think would have helped. How do I handle the disagreements? Four things real quick. Number one, show respect. Show respect. 1, t- 1 Peter two seventeen. Honor all men. You say, oh, that's just talking about uh, the men that are in the church that are saved, that have the right doctrine. Read the next part. Love the brotherhood. Oh, there's the brotherhood. <laughs> you know what all men means? It means all men. It means that if, they're, if he or she is another human being, treat them with respect. The fact that they think 2 plus 2 is 5, be patient about that. Somebody might maybe need to straighten you out one day as well. You'll want some patience in return. Show some respect. Number two, determine, I'm sorry, I, there's, I don't have a verse necessarily for this, but let's just move on. Does the issue need to be addressed? So number one, you meet somebody who goes to a different church, you don't agree, show respect. Number two, does it really need to be dealt with and does it need to be dealt with now? Learn to use some judgment. You might need to bring it up now. It might, maybe it can wait a year. It may not be that big of a false teaching where it's going to hinder them that much, which leads me to number three, pray for an open door. Pray for wisdom. Say, God, what should I say? When should I say it? And God, would you please bring this up? Too many times, and I speak as one that is faulty. I'm still learning myself. I want to to get better at it. We give somebody a tract. Are you saved? Yes. We hear their testimony. Praise the Lord. We go to church. Oh, you go to church there. Uh, Do you know that they teach this and this and this and this? (laughs) Probably not the right time to bring that up. You might, unless they say, do you know there's something wrong there? (laughs) Can you please give me advice? If they ask, okay. Pray for an open door. And leads me to this last verse. I'm so sorry. I've taken time. 2 Timothy 2. I believe you need to see this. This way, next week, we can just move on. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24. And the last thing I want to say is be patient. Be patient with them. Show respect. Use judgment. Does it need to be addressed or am I just nitpicking this? Pray for an open door. And then lastly, be patient. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. Don't look for arguments. Don't fight with people about this stuff. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, able to teach. Look look at the next word, patient. Why? I doubt that the first time you show them this, they're going to get it. You know why? The first time somebody showed you something contrary to what you had believed for the last 20 years, it probably didn't ring right in your head either. Be patient. Verse 25, in meekness, that's what we saw in Galatians, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Paul says when you see somebody that's confused, hindered, patient teach yes show them the truth absolutely do it patiently do it meekly do it gently gentle unto all men apt to teach patient i hope this has set the stage properly so that as we go forward i don't have to continually say to you now don't use this information in the wrong way don't be mean about it and so forth i I hope this lesson has helped with our approach to 
denominational disagreements. Let's all stand if we, if we can, please. Let's stand. Let's have a word of prayer. I'm sorry I've taken a couple extra minutes. Just wanted to finish this. And then we'll give you guys some time to fellowship. Father, thank you this morning that we're able to study these things, learn them. Help us, God, please. Help me, Lord, to be a better example in it. Father, I remember, I remember reading James and John. They were the sons of thunder, but as time went on, they, they grew, they matured, and oh, how you used them. Lord, we want to be used, so I pray that you'd please give us wisdom to approach people and be, let our speech be all the way with grace, seasoned with salt. Father, please bless the service to come. We desire to meet with you, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.